Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens. Happy New Year, Bulls Nation. Let me ask you this actually real quick, Drew, before we get into anything. When's the right time to stop saying Happy New Year to people? I feel like some people really stretch it out and go like two weeks into the new year. Some are done after like a few days. What's what's a good, what's the protocol for you for that? Um, Maybe a week or two, give okay. or take. I think it also kind of depends on, you know, when you see somebody, like there's somebody True. that you might not have seen the day after or the day of or a few days after. So I would say a week or two, maybe. After that, it's just kind of implied. Like, okay. I think one week is a good point. I mean, once you hit the one week mark, like after a week, I feel like, all right, like, come on, we're hitting double digits in the month. Like, (laughs) let's let's cut it out. Maybe maybe Jan 9 is the cutoff. Okay. Yeah. Right before it gets to double digits. Okay. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a better barometer. Once you get double digits, stop. So, how was uh? Did you have a good? Do you have a good New Year's? Enjoy yourself at all? I did. Um, just went out for a little little dinner. Nothing too extravagant. Uh, came back home, celebrated with um some some friends of ours. Uh, was actually kind of struggling to stay up till midnight. I wish I could have just called it a night and you know said my piece the next morning, but um. Nothing too big. What about you? Showed a little shindig uh, at a friend's house, and it was kind of nice because, like I mentioned in the last episode, I, I was in the COVID protocols around Christmas time, so it was good to get out, be around people, and welcome in and ring in the year of the goat, twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three, my friend, means good <laughs> things are going to happen. I, I think good things could happen, but with the Bulls, it's been kind of like a, a roller coaster. But you know what? Last five games haven't been too bad they they went three and two and if you recall in our last episode we predicted four of those games and drew and i both said two and two that was our prediction now what is really cool is and i I don't mean it to my own horn i kind of called the split because drew said pistons and one against the Cavs, and i said the bulls are going to do the unconventional two and two here. They're going to upset the Bucks. They're going to knock off the Pistons and then totally hiss us off and drop two to the Cavs. And that they did. Now, that the Cavs games were really interesting, though, because they fight back and have the ball with, you know, seconds left, try to create some DeMar magic and just fall short. Next game, they have a 21-point lead on the road in Cleveland. Donovan Mitchell goes off, finishes the game with 71 points, but there's some controversy with both games. The final two-minute report comes out and says the Bulls technically got robbed in this first game because DeMar DeRozan got fouled. I didn't really see that in real time, but you kind of you kind of see, okay, maybe he did, like when you see the replays and stuff. But the next game in Cleveland – the final two minute report, you kind of knew it was it was coming because of the clear lane violation from Donovan Mitchell on his missed free throw that tied the game and sent it into overtime. Before we get into the final two minute report, because I have some thoughts on that. What were your thoughts on those two games against Cleveland specifically? Just quickly, just that, you know, I, we went into that or they went into those two games and I thought that they would get at least one of them come out with a split. It. it it stings even more because they didn't have to see Darius Garland or Evan Mobley in either one of those games. So you figure, okay, get a win one of those games um, and kind of feel better about about things. But, oh, man, the Bulls, I think what sticks with me the most is that they competed, um, had to fight their way back in that first game. Uh, played probably the best half of basketball this season in the second game, in the first half of that second game. But it's just maybe just still trying to play complete games. Yeah. String together a nice four quarters of play. But the effort, I feel like the effort was there, though. 100%. Like they, I feel like we've been starting to see more effort since that Minnesota game. But, you know, the one thing is, and, you know, you hear it kind of, from Bulls Nation and you, you hear it from Billy Donovan a little bit is the way they handle adversity sometimes too. Yeah, the effort's there, but 
the minute things seem to go wrong, you notice that they, they can get a bit rattled. You know, it happened with Cleveland and it kind of started to take shape in the win last night against the Nets, which is a great bounce back after a deflating loss like that against Cleveland on the road. But they come out strong in the first half and then kind of let their guard down a little bit, third quarter, fourth quarter. And the only difference is this time they were able to kind of punch back a little bit and and keep that lead, which is great to see. But I hope they continue that consistently because the effort is definitely much better than it was earlier in the season. And now it's just in the moments where things tend to fall back a little bit, just respond better. I know that that's like so basic to say is just respond better, but just be able to handle that adversity a little more. And I feel like DeMar DeRozan is the one guy I can trust to handle adversity. Um, it's, it's everybody else that I feel like kind of lets go of the rope at times. Yeah. I don't think I have much of an argument with you there. And it, it sucks because last night was such a impressive win, but because of what we've seen from this team so far this season, some of the air gets let out of it. I mean, they just beat a fully healthy Brooklyn Nets team that was riding the longest win streak in the, in the NBA coming into last night. And DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Mm-hmm. If you would have told Bulls fans that DeRozan and Levine would have had the type of games that they were going to have and, and that Kevin Durant was going to drop 44 and Kyrie Irving was going to have 25, I think most of us would assume, oh, that's a loss. So mm-hmm. for them to pull that out yesterday, also without Alex Caruso, who got hurt in the first quarter, early in the first quarter, um, it, it was big. It was big, and I think, um, again, it just it stinks that we look at it the way we do because of what they've shown us to this point, the fact that they aren't putting the teams who on paper don't look up to snuff. They're not putting those teams away. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of letting us down and they're taking us on this roller coaster ride so far this season. It, it, it takes some of the bite out of that, out of that win. Yeah. I mean, that that's the best way to describe it. And I, I feel like maybe that term has come up in, in a few of our last episodes is this roller coaster ride with this team. Um, I'll just address this with the last two minute report and refereeing because I've seen it a lot from some of our our avid listeners who are on Bulls Twitter. And and I'll say this. Did they get hosed on a few calls? Yes. You know, clearly from the from the last two minute report lane violation in that last Cleveland game. Also, Jared Allen travel. And then the game before DeMar DeRozan getting fouled. You can't deny that given how close those games were. But I think some of that, that happens in the NBA. Refs are going to make mistakes. There is a human element to it. As much as replay has helped with that and challenges have helped, those things are going to happen. It doesn't excuse also, though, that you allow Donovan Mitchell to get Cleveland back in that game the way he did. Like, there's no excuse for letting a guy score 71 points on you. You can't excuse that. Could there be fouls along the way that, allow Donovan Mitchell to get to the free throw line and score points. Sure. But you know, at the end of the day, I think he only had maybe like 20 or 21 points from the foul line. So he still scored 50 on you like that. That's still a problem. So there's moments where you do have to actually stop somebody. Like clearly he was the only guy on the floor beating you. And I think that's what made it a little frustrating to me is like a little too much from Bulls Nation blaming referees. I, I, I'm i not a big fan of that. So just putting that out there, that's just my thoughts on it. I don't know if, Drew, you have any thoughts on it, but yeah, I I don't want to dwell too much on it. I'd rather get to some other stuff. No, yeah, we definitely can move on. I think it's just, it's the shoulda, woulda, couldas, man. They, yeah. You know, with, with those three calls, um, specifically, um, I think they all were the two with DeMar DeRozan, him getting fouled, shooting a three against Washington in the second game of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, the the floater game winning attempt he shot in the first um, Cleveland game this this past week. And then the lane violation, you know, it's you can look at that and say, okay, the Bulls, you get those three wins. They're, what, 19 and 18? Yeah. You know, and so. then if they take their business against some of these 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 lesser opponents, they're right in the thick of that 
race to get the six seed. But again, it's the it's the shoulda, woulda, coulda. I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to spend too much time talking about what could have been because you can't go back and change things. It just it just serves to only frustrate me more. I think just on the stretch of games, what intrigued you or what was a takeaway that you had with again Bulls going three and two, beating the Bucks taking care of business against the Pistons, dropping two close games to the Cavs and beating a really red hot Brooklyn Nets team that had just won 12 straight. What were your final thoughts on, on all of that? Um, aside from before last night, it's given up way too many second chance points. Just the fact that this team is a- at least playing with a better sense of urgency. You alluded to, you know, how they've been playing since the, the Minnesota meltdown um, it's six and three since that happened. You know, granted, there's some stinkers in there, especially that Houston Rockets loss. But they're they're playing just they're playing a little bit differently. Um, still not quite where I think most of us would would like to see them. But um, if they can sustain the type of effort levels that they've shown um, in this past stretch of games, I think that you know we can't quite bring our pitchforks out for them the way we were earlier in the season or before that, that Minnesota debacle. Mm-hmm. I'll throw one thing out from this stretch and it's just really last night. Very happy with what I saw from Patrick Williams last night. Um, seeing him play, you know, a game where he really rose to the occasion against one of the biggest stars in the NBA. Now um, I know there was some joking going on in the locker room about, you know, how did you do defensively against Kevin Durant and Zach Levine's over there saying, like, didn't he score 44? But I think that it's it's encouraging to see him show some aggressiveness offensively in the game last night. And also, he had quality defensive moments in, in key possessions against Kevin Durant. And you love to see that. So that was a, a really cool takeaway. And it's the story of the year with Patrick Williams. Can we just get it more often? Like, can we see that more often? It's it's funny how he kind of mirrors what we want from the Bulls. Like, we just want more. Just give us more. Show yeah. Us more, prove, prove more to us uh, as the season moves along. He really is. He's like the, the poster child of the Chicago Bulls 2023 season. He represents it. You're 100% right. Yeah. We just got to hope that, you know, we're, nobody, we're not expecting him to score 22 a game. Um you know, but we just want to see just continued development. Obviously, it's not going to be a, a linear thing. It, it mm-hmm. isn't, it hasn't been for him for various reasons, but um, hopefully this is another step forward toward him becoming a player that a lot of us believe he can still become. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we're going to get into the, the Bulls' next stretch in a little bit, but we do want to talk about something that dropped yesterday. Rob Schaefer, who's been a guest on the podcast a few times. Uh, he was on recently with Drew and I, uh, geez, a couple months ago. And he dropped a really good mailbag piece, which are always fun. It's great fodder for fans where he took trade proposals on Twitter from Bulls fans and graded them, provides analysis. And actually, one of the trades is one that I brought up here on the podcast and presented to Rob Schaefer. In fact, I think I, I mentioned it in the episode because um, Drew and I have been kind of talking about ways to retool the Bulls. And the trade that we had talked about here on the podcast was DeMar DeRozan for Kyle Kuzma and Monty Morris. Rob Schaefer, I had mentioned, I think in the episode, you know, I'm like, I think he mentioned he was going to put something out, but that didn't drop until yesterday. He actually led off his article with that trade. He called it the retool. That was the the name of the trade. Um, So I'm just going to read some of what he said and give you his grade on it. So he says, this is an interesting one. The Bulls swap DeRozan for a younger, potentially high upside wing alternative and add a point guard to their Lonzo Ballas committee. The Wizards, meanwhile, skate out from under Kuzma's impending free agency and form a potent offensive trio of Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and DeRozan. Ultimately, this is the archetype of a trade I'd expect to see from both the Bulls, who are more likely to retool than rebuild if they pivot at all, and Wizards, who have in recent years favored building from the middle up as opposed to full teardowns. But to me, this specific deal breaks down because I see DeRozan, who for the second season in a row is playing at an all-NBA level, 
as worth more than this package. And so that was interesting to me, though. And he ended up grading it a B, calling it a thought-provoking trade. And he also said, who says no? He says bulls first. And I was a little bit surprised. And I've kind of seen similar feedback from Bulls Nation when I've thrown this trade out there. That we're kind of like, my trade proposal is, is kind of selling it short for the Bulls. Um, I guess I'll, I'll state my case and then I want to get your thoughts, Drew. But I've looked at it as DeMar DeRozan's age. I get the level of play he's been playing at. But I also know that in this league, like they do look at age. They do look at contract. And given that he has one year left, he is a little longer in the tooth. I feel like grabbing a two-way player who's 27 still has plenty of years left in him in Kyle Kuzma and is an impending free agent. Plus Monty Morris, who's a good veteran point guard. I feel like that's a, pretty good package for a veteran but maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy I kind of thought that if you tried to hold up the Wizards for a first round pick that deal never happens yeah no I I think when we talked about it initially I was I liked it um I think Kyle Kuzma has pretty much been the apple of a lot of people's eyes uh not just bull, the you know Bulls fans but just NBA fans in general um, ever since coming to, to Washington, he's kind of coming to his own. But I was surprised about Rob saying that he thought that the Bulls could get more. And I wonder, you know, if we were able to ask him who else he thought the Bulls could poach from the Wizards. I know he said that um, the Wizards would have to include a minimum salary to make the deal work for hard cap reasons. So he was <laughs> he joked that, you know, Taj Gibson would be another player coming back in return to the Bulls. I mean, hey, not a not a bad deal for a team that could use some more size and um, veteran savvy. But mm-hmm. um, no, I, I mean, I, I think what more the the holdup seemed to be for him was what kind of money is Kuzma looking for this offseason and mm-hmm. the Bulls would be willing to spend it. That was another kind of sticking point, it seemed like, for, for Rob. Mm-hmm. So I looked also at draft capital for the Wizards. Now they have a protected pick. I think it's a pick would defer to 2024 because Wizards pick is currently in top 14. So if they're in the top 14, I think there's like this. This is a pick that looks like it's traded hands a lot, but this is a protected pick for 2023. After that, they have their 2024 first rounder. They have their 2025 first rounder. Same with 26, 27, and 28. So I guess, hey, if you're the Bulls, could you actually then, if, if Rob's saying that they could take more, would you ask for, I mean, one of these draft picks? I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say no to that. I mean, I'd sign me up if you can also hold them up for a first-round pick. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, so you got to yeah, <laughs> you could get um, but then when I kind of look step back and look at it from the Wizards angle, I, I don't know as for as good as DeMar DeRozan is, the Wizards are, I believe, right outside the play-in conversation. Them and the Bulls are kind of doing a tango right now. They dance for the 10th seed. Um, does DeMar DeRozan move the needle? And Like, you're, you're getting a really good player, no doubt. And he and Chris Porzingis and Bradley Beal with – you know, theoretically be a, a nice trio of, of players, but he's going to be on the, the last year of his deal as well, trying to get more money um, going into the, the next season. I don't know if that, if that would, if I, if I'm the wizards, would that move me enough? Like I'm getting to Rosen, but how much better is he going to make the wizards in terms of playoff positioning? Hmm. You know, I keep thinking like, and that was one thing I kept thinking of too. Like what happens if that deal is made, who makes the the bigger jump? You know, you look at the ESPN trade machine and you, you see who decreases and wins, who adds wins. And I actually thought, could they potentially both end up adding wins? And maybe if the deal's made soon, 
overtaking another weaker team in the play-in spot where another team in the play-in tournament falls out. I think that might end up being like the more likely outcome in that case, just because I think like I've said this to you, Kyle Kuzma fills a need at the four kind of resets your, your starting lineup adds a level of defense level of shooting to the lineup kind of eliminates like the mid range redundancy that's on the bulls. So I don't know. And then you also had Monty Morris, who's a really good point guard, you know, I mean, I, I, maybe I'm overrating him a little bit, but I think it's a solid stopgap while you're waiting for Lonzo. So, I agree. I agree. Low turnovers, um, really good three-point shooters. Percentage is down a little bit this season, but down is 37.2%. So, I mean, or somewhere around in that area. So, I mean, it's not like he's he's breaking long-distance shots, you know? Exactly. And, like, you, you kind of think of what that does to improve your bench, too, right? So, Maybe he's the guy that starts, maybe AC starts, but either way, I think you're adding, you know, if it sends AC back to the bench or you add Morris to the bench, I think it's a win-win either way. So I see a lot of help there. And then, you know, as Rob brings up, that's a high powered offensive trio you have there. Now, you know, losing a a good two-way player like Kuzma, I mean, maybe, that's where you can kind of maybe see the wizards taking a step back, but that does add a, a really good amount of firepower to your team with Beal, Porzingis, DeRozan. Yeah. Uh, in my head, I just had a thought of the wizards turning into, turning into the bulls, the, uh, this version that we're seeing. Well, you know what? Yeah, that is kind of funny. It would basically <laughs> mirror a similar big three that you see now with the bulls. Almost, almost to a T. Hey, you know what? The Wizards have made a lot of odd decisions. You know, like what he described here, Rob, in terms of them trying to build from the middle up, like they refuse to just fully commit to rebuilding. Mm -hmm. And imagine what they could do, because like they still like, as I said, they they have one pick here that is going to be conveyed to another team in 2023. Other and it's top 14 protected. So if they end up in the lottery and they, you know, fall within the top 14, like it's theirs. So I I guess the can keeps getting kicked down the road for them possibly, but they still have a pretty good amount of draft capital considering how the NBA is right now. It seems like almost every team except Oklahoma city doesn't have a pick. (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. You're definitely right, man. Um, One trade that I think the other trade that really caught my attention was the deal that was proposed by Kevin Adams. Mm. This was originally um, the Phoenix Suns would be trading DeAndre Aiden, uh, Jay Crowder, and Cam Johnson to the Bulls for DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic. Now, Rob modified a little bit. He took Cam Johnson out of that deal because he thought um, that would be too much for the Suns to give up. Um, And he wound up, I think he graded it a, did he give it a B, I think? He gave it a B plus. I think that was his highest grade of the article. Okay. And I just, it, you know, aside from adding Jay Crowder, who's a, you know, a gritty vet, um, would add some toughness to this team. Um, not the greatest of three-point shooters, even though I think he has a, a reputation for knocking down um, big shots. It was more so to do with DeAndre Aiden and how that pivot at the center spot um, would look for the Bulls moving forward. Um, admittedly, I don't watch a ton of Phoenix Suns basketball, and I know that DeAndre Aiden um, has definitely absorbed his fair share of criticism over the span of his career, but um, I think that's a clear, just player for player, step up um, in more ways than not um, going from Vucevic to, to DeAndre Aiden. You know, um, you get a guy who can anchor your defense a little bit better. Um, can knock down some mid-range shot. He doesn't have the same type of range as, as Vujovic, clearly. I don't think he's the same type of facilitator, but he just changes what you can do um, defensively. And he gives you a, a lob threat, which is something that, you know, beyond the 15, 16 minutes that Andre Drummond plays or DeAndre, or um, Derrick Jones Jr. plays, the Bulls don't really have. So... That was the one that really kind of piqued my interest outside of uh, your proposal. 
it's interesting that that trade does intrigue me a lot because I mean, DeAndre Ayton, I feel like is if you want to put like the perfect type of big man on this grouping or with this grouping um, in, you know, replacing Nikola Vucevic, I think he'd be the perfect fit for the Bulls. And we've talked about Jay Crowder on, on some past episodes about how he fills a need, you know, and, and that's somebody that you could definitely, you know, rotate between the four or the three or, you know, and basically you have him and Patrick Williams on the floor. That would be intriguing. Um, I think it might actually be good for him. I think Jay Crowder is like the type of guy that I think if Patrick Williams wants to look, what can I model my career after potentially if I'm not a superstar? I think that's the kind of guy that he could glean a lot from. I guess I just am maybe unfamiliar with the situation out there in Phoenix. Like I understand DeAndre was kind of ticked at the whole matching of his contract offer, but has it gotten toxic out there? Like I understand maybe he's still ticked and he would love to move on if possible, but has it gotten toxic where Phoenix is like, all right, look, we can't even handle this. Like we're, we have a good situation out here, but we can't handle this kind of crap from Deandre Ayton anymore. Like, has it gotten to that point? I haven't really seen that. Yeah, I'm not totally sure either. I, I mean, I know him and and um, Monty Williams got into a little spat on the sidelines or that mm-hmm. maybe a week and a half ago and things like I don't want to, you know, make a mountain out of a molehill. I'm sure those things happen from time to time, and maybe we as 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 um, observers and fans of the NBA we don't see it because uh, usually it happens behind closed doors. But um, I feel like something may have to give. You know, Chris Paul's getting older. Um, Booker is out right now. They've dropped off considerably. I think they're down to are they seventh right now in the yeah West? yeah they yeah. they dropped off considerably. Um, lost the last four games. So I I just I wonder from Phoenix's standpoint if or how they would look at that deal. Again, mm. you know, would they look at Vucevic as more of a rental and kind of seeing how things would go? Would they? How would they feel about? Um, getting DeRozan and pairing him with Booker and Paul. Yeah, that that's tough to think about. Yeah, like you're, you're right. So the, the Suns have fallen to eighth. I mean, it is crazy just how the, the last stretch has been. Like they're three and seven in their last 10 games. I, yeah, I'm trying to think like if you added Vucevic and DeRozan in the mix in Phoenix, I guess my thought is, does that move the needle? I mean, it could. I I guess if you add those two offensive weapons with Chris Paul running the point and Booker back healthy, I guess it could be a pretty scary combination. Maybe come, maybe come playoff time, but I I don't know. Like you lose some defensively though. You lose, I'm not some, you lose a lot defensively there. I think you lose a little fluidity kind of true. Another other perspective, you lose some fluidity with DeRozan because I feel like he kind of needs the ball in his hands and you don't mm-hmm. want to take the ball out of Chris Paul's hands too much um, in terms of initiating offense. I don't I don't look at DeMar as somebody who's going to be running off screens and yeah, nature. Um, I think that's part of the reason for part of the reason why we see DeRozan um, being trusted so much late in games or having the ball swung his way um late in games late in game situations um so i just don't know it, it, would that be enough again the same same thing we talked about with the wizards would, would it be enticing enough for the suns to feel okay to make that deal yeah i and what you say there is interesting too because you really have to get creative with Chris Paul and DeMar DeRozan on the floor at the same time, or find ways to kind of stagger them a bit and then get real creative to finish games with different sets. You're right. Like DeMar operates at his best with the ball in his hands as either the primary scorer or even a facilitator. Like he, he does try to look for open guys. And, you know, if you move without the ball, he'll find you if you get yourself open. Hmm. I guess if I were Phoenix, I if the situation is not toxic with DeAndre Ayton, I would say no. And I don't think I'd hesitate that much. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. I think because I, I I just think that that this big three of of the Chicago Bulls they it's gonna have to get broken up. Yeah. Some kind of way, and I think that if if the Bulls are somehow able to to land Aiden, mm. I feel like they could do much worse, much much worse at that center spot. Yeah, you get Aiden, and then you add Crowder. Is again, that's more short term, but like it does the it does the retooling for this season potentially, and then taking you into the next few seasons. I think you reset yourself nicely with Zach Aiden, and now. You try to make that next big move at some point. Like it, it does set you up kind of nicely. Um, one of the trades I love on here is the let's get wild one. And the reason I, I think this is interesting is I I've heard it kind of brought up on bulls Twitter and then they were making fun of it on six seventy the score with Joe Cowley. Um, I think he kind of mentioned it, but kind of more facetiously or kind of joking to, to poke fun at, I think Dan Bernstein was uh, filling in for, uh, on the Parkinson Spiegel show. And it this is the trade that uh, it's framed by this uh, this user via Bill. Um, Zach Levine, two first-round picks, or Patrick Williams, for Trey Young. Now, okay, like I, I like Trey Young, but I also feel like Trey Young is so freaking maddening. Terrible defender. Sometimes he takes shots that you just you want to like bang your head against the table. You know, <laughs> he's like, oh look, he's draining 30 footers. Yeah, why is he taking 30 footers? You know, it's it's sometimes it's it's insanity. But I, I don't know. Like I I don't know if I really would care that much with that trade. I think I just kind of shrug my shoulders and go, okay. I don't know. What would be your reaction to a trade like that if if that was even something feasible? Um torn. I'd be torn because I feel like every every season for the past two or three seasons, there's been some sort of noise about Trey Young being unhappy or, or some of his teammates, <laughs> John Collins being unhappy with what's going on in Atlanta. And I just wonder what what is it that is happening in that environment, in that atmosphere that seems to be festering with, with tension. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Atlanta has just spent a good a good portion of the last couple of seasons building this team around Trey Young and you know what is it about what they've built or about yeah. the situation that he's just doesn't seem to be as happy as you know we, we might assume he should be that that is a little scary and I, I think it's something that you do have to kind of consider if you're even thinking about Trey like that I, to me, yes, Trey Young, I and Rob pointed this out too. He has had really good playoff performances. Like he does rise to another level. And that's something like you wish the Bulls had. But when you then part with Zach Levine and, you know, the, the user here put two first round picks or Patrick Williams, I, I feel like the Bulls can't get in the business of parting with a ton of draft capital for a question mark. That's and with Zach Levine in tow in that trade. That's the scary part to me. You're going to let Zach Levine go plus two future first round picks. That's that's scary. Like, I, I don't know if I could stomach that kind of a trade, because if Trey Young doesn't work out for you, then you're screwed. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Although, you know, there's the a basketball side of me would love to see what um, DeJounte Murray and Zach Levine look like together. Um mm. If only those rumors, <laughs> what was that last, was that a couple of seasons ago where there was talk about the Bulls being interested in Murray? Yeah, that was one of the, I think, alternatives. If uh, if you don't land, you know, Lonzo Ball, who are some of the guys that you could add to this uh, this roster? And yeah. uh, that, that definitely would have been an interesting one for sure. Um, definitely checks a lot of boxes. So I think that would have been a really good fit with a guy like Zach Levine. And then, you know, also with DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, man. Just to get back to the whole, you know, the the pieces around Trey Young in Atlanta suit him so much better than what's presently here in Chicago. Uh, mm. that while, while you're getting um, potentially, you know, generational talent, um, a guy who typically plays his best on the biggest stage and under the brightest lights, it's just 
the ecosystem here is not one that I think he's going to thrive in, at least not right now, if that trade were to happen. There's another trade on here. I don't know if you saw this one. Basically, is a center swap. It kind of fits the retool mindset. And it's with a guy that a lot of Bulls fans love. And it it came from David at David Garena 12 on Twitter. And it was the Pacers received Nikola Vucevic, Kobe White, Portland first round pick. And the Bulls received Miles Turner, Chris Duarte, and the Spurs 2022 second round pick. There's always been a lot of love for Miles Turner from Bulls fans. I've always been kind of iffy on him because if you look at his rebounding numbers, that's kind of concerning for a guy his size. But, you know, he's still a younger player. He's definitely improved from the outside a lot more and gives you a little bit more effort on the defensive end of the floor. I I don't know if the a team like the Pacers would do this, but and neither does Rob Schaefer. He, he said that probably the Pacers <laughs> would say no, but he did give it a B. Thoughts on that? I think it's a it's an interesting trade for sure. I've never been a a huge Miles Turner fan. I think the the biggest reason I would possibly pull the trigger on this is if I know that I'm not going to re-sign Vucevic and I can't just let him. I don't want to let him just walk for anything. Um, and you, you know, you kind of extrapolate that to what the Bulls gave up to get him, and it's like, okay, we gotta do something to salvage it a little bit. Um, that Those are my thoughts just right off the jump that kind of come to mind. Are you a Chris Duarte fan? I am. I am. Are you? He showed something last year. You know, it was limited action, but maybe a change of scenery and, and more minutes again, kind of get him jump started. I, I'd be intrigued. Like that plus adding Miles Turner. Like you could, again, we look at free agency right if, if Vooch walks you're, you're bringing in a younger center you you could do worse than Miles Turner as much as I'm not the biggest fan you know maybe that plus a, a good younger player might be an interesting package for you mm. it parting with the Portland pick is a little mm, to me just because you're out of a first round pick this year potentially that's a good point that's a good point but see then it's like you You've got these, you got Vucevic and, and Kobe, two guys who, you know, are on expiring deals. And this is like, if you don't see yourself paying them, you could take a chance on a Turner and take a take a flyer on Duarte, who's um, having a really tough sophomore season. I, I think again, I think you could do you could do a lot, a lot worse. Like my. <laughs> 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 I we gotta we gotta give Rob Schaefer a ton of credit. He's created basically the template for for most of this episode. But I, I want to finish off with that one crazy trade. And we talked about before we started recording. Somebody put in like a three different teardown trades, and Rob Schaefer gave it a B minus. And I loved his description. He's like, I guess you're a ruthless two K general manager because Bulls <laughs> Mavericks. Nikola Vucevic for JaVale McGee, Bertans, and a, a 2024 top five protected first round pick. Then Alex Caruso and Javante Green being dealt for James Wiseman, Patrick Baldwin, and a 2026 top three protected first round pick. So that's a trade with the Warriors. And then a trade with the Grizzlies where DeMar is sent for Zaire Williams, Dylan Brooks, Danny Green, Kenny Chandler, Kenneth Lofton Jr., And first round picks in 2023 and 2025, which would be a top five protection for the the second of those first round picks. So that's a lot exchanging hands. That to me would be a complete teardown at that point. Now you'd have, I think Zach Levine would be the only man of that big three left standing, but you'd have a nice little reset there. I, who that would be interesting if, if that's a, we see that flurry of trades happening. I think we know that things have completely gone south and they're ready to just kind of more so rebuild it and call this season a, a lost cause. Yeah. And, and shout out to Don Lon, um, who came up with that trio of trade proposal, but it, it, it's a lot. It's uh 
I don't know, man. It's hard to envision this front office doing that much. Like that's that's <laughs> you know the front office who who pledge allegiance to continuity. Whew, that's that's a lot to 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 swallow there, man. Um, well, imagine that press conference if they don't talk. <laughs> and their first time speaking since the start of the season is after they make a flurry of moves like that. Holy shit. Like <laughs> the questions about continuity are definitely going to come up if, if something like that happened. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's a lot of quality players that are being bulls in a bulls uniform. I just don't, I don't know where that team goes necessarily. It's, it's a good mix of guys though, but. Man, yeah. it's just a lot, lot to digest. Uh, for sure. I think it speaks to this point, though. And, and the reason I think a reporter like Rob does an article on this is because I do think there's a sense, not just in the fan base, but I even think with different reporters that cover the Bulls, that something's going to happen. It might not be a huge like blockbuster trade, but it, I think something's going to happen that kind of shakes up the roster a little bit when we get closer to the deadline. And look, the deadline, almost a month away. It's February 9th. So, you know, we're going to start seeing some deals happen probably in the coming weeks because that's usually in the NBA. You start to get get at the, you know, weeks leading up to the deadline. So I think something's going to definitely happen that tweaks this roster in some way. Yeah. Um I said, I said it once, I'll say it again. It's, it's become like the most fascinating storyline of this season, man, is, is, is what Acme is going to do um, in lieu of the news about Lonzo Ball and, you know, him still not having a set in stone recovery or return date, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, juxtapose that with what's going on with this team and it's up and down play mm-hmm. um, on balance this season. So it's, it's fascinating, man, to think about what's going to happen. It's, you know, we all have our own ideas of maybe what should happen or what will happen. But to see what they actually come up with and what direction they go and kind of how whatever moves they make set up the moves they're going to make in the summer and moving forward is just stay tuned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely stay tuned. All right. So. How about we look at our next stretch? Since we both predicted two and two, they end up going you know three and two. We didn't cover that Nets game, but uh, why don't we do the next three? How's that sound? We got the Sixers on the road, and of course, the news comes out today about Joel Embiid missing that one. Which I mean, the Bulls could catch a break, but you know, knowing knowing how things have been this year, that's probably a game they end up dropping. Um. <laughs> Hosting the Jazz and the Fighting Larry Markinens on Saturday. And then Monday, the final game against the Boston Celtics on the road. Crazy how they've already played the Celtics four times. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's that's crazy to me. Wanted to pull this up. So right now, let me get my page pulled up here. This is great for our listeners, by the way. <laughs> me, me Googling stuff on the fly here. Um you're going to Philly against the Sixers, who are 23 and 14. You're hosting the Jazz at 19 and 21. And you're wrapping up against a Boston Celtics team that's still number one in the Eastern Conference at 26 and 12. That's a, a lot of combined wins right there. Aside from the Jazz being under 500, I mean, still, your Eastern Conference opponents, these are probably two of the better teams in the East. It's, um... I don't know, man. Where, where do you see it? Let, let you go first this time. My gut feeling here is I think we're looking at a one and two stretch. Now, what's the game they win? I think it's the Jazz game. <laughs> I, I think they knock off Utah. And this is one of the rare times where they lose to top tier teams. I think the fact that it's on the road against Boston and against the Sixers. I think that's kind of why I'm leaning in that direction. Even with Joel Embiid out, you know, I know the Bulls have never beaten Embiid, and this is your chance to get a, a victory against the Sixers, but I don't know. I, I think just it being on the road, 
Bulls are kind of coming off a bit of a high. It seems like the perfect kind of letdown game that the Bulls usually have. So I'll go, I'll go one and two with a win against the Jazz and losses against Sixers Celtics. What about you? Yeah, as we were talking about this three game stretch, I kept telling myself um, one and two, one and two, one and two. Same thing, same games as, as you predicted. I just I feel like even without Joel Embiid, I, I can't. And, and with them playing, for the most part, more inspired basketball of late, I just feel like they're gonna they're gonna have a letdown um, Friday night. I'm smelling it too. Um, now, if they if they come out and beat the Sixers, like that would be huge. There's also this pessimistic side of me though. If they beat the Sixers, then the letdown comes Saturday against the Jazz. Like I, I feel like I've been programmed at this point to believe that. Once you're starting to ride high after two big wins against top teams in the East, then against a team like the Jazz, Laurie Marketing comes in and lights you up. And then we have to talk about Laurie Marketing again and, and Wendell Carter and shame on the front office for trading away too soon. And we'll have to talk about that crap next week. So <laughs> I guess that's part of the reason why I want them to beat the Jazz in that stretch too, just so we don't have to deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, this, I'm glad you pointed that out, too, with the fact that it is a back-to-back. I think that's important mm-hmm. to know. Um, yeah. Friday, Saturday with the 76ers and the Jazz. Uh, you never know how one game could potentially bleed into another. True. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm going loss, win, loss, too. So one and two um, in this next three-game stretch coming up. Yeah. And, you know, we'll probably get into it a little more next week. There's some interesting games as we – Head into that that following week against the Wizards, the Thunder, Warriors, the Pistons game in France. So oh, it's going to be interesting for sure. And that Wizards game, I think there's thought maybe Beal might be out for it. He could be returning around the time. Like they're still kind of murky. Yeah, uh, he's been having issues with his hamstrings. I think right now it's his left hamstring that they have determined is, is strained. I think right now they're just saying that he'll be out the next three games for them. So if he were to come back, that fourth game would be that game against the Bulls, if I'm not mistaken. If the Bulls do maybe go two and one in that stretch instead of one and two, I mean, that does change things because you were saying what they've they've been six and three since that terrible loss against the T-Wolves. And now you win those two, you're you win two out of the next three. Now you're looking eight and four. That's not a bad stretch in a 12 game period. It's not. It really isn't. And let me correct myself. You're right. Um, or I was wrong. That he is going to be out. Bradley Bill will. Mm. If that holds true, that he's going to be out the next three games. That third game is the Bulls game. So he's mm. going to be out for that game. Um, all right. So, all right. So you might be catching breaks here with the Sixers and then the Wizards next week. But we'll. We'll talk more about the Wizards matchup and that stretch in next week's episode. Before we wrap up here, Drew, any final thoughts on it could be the Bulls or just life in general, if you want. I mean, floor is yours. Bulls or life in general. Uh, let's just say just continue to show and prove. That's 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 what I want for this new the 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 Bulls in this in this new year. Just continue to show and prove. The New Year's resolution for the Chicago Bulls continue to improve. <laughs> That's the New Year's resolution. We're coming full circle back to the New Year discussion. Hey. <laughs> oh, man. I'll, you know what? Here's my my last thought. Please stop using New Year, New Me. Just <laughs> fucking stop. Every goddamn social media post. New Year, New Me. Just knock it off. Sorry. <laughs> You just, you just have to mute it. Just mute it, man. Just yeah, it. no, there there are times where if I just, yeah, it, that person probably is posting other stuff that just pisses me off. <laughs> but for the Chicago Bulls, I agree with you on that. Like, continue improving, and I think now start taking that next step. I mentioned handling some of that adversity that's coming your way. You don't always have to rely on DeMar DeRozan. Try to create space in these games so you can have some breathing room. Like, put your foot on the gas and don't let up in some of these games, because you're definitely playing with that effort. Just keep it going, you know, steal the Norm Van Leer term, 48 minutes of intensity, continue 
to bring in. And if you do, I think you could turn the season around because you, I think, still have some of that talent there. I do think, as we've been talking about, you do need to make some some changes to the roster to kind of hold it together a little bit more consistently. But I think there's pieces there that can keep it going and at least do a retool. I We're still getting a lot of people talking about tanking. And you hear it in some Chicago sports radio shows and some media. I think it's just a tough proposition when the lottery are, odds are the way they are. And you don't want to end up giving Orlando, you know, the number five or number six pick because you tanked, but the lottery ball didn't bounce your way. So, yeah, I think that's out of the question, man, with, especially with them in the 10th spot right now. And, you know, they're not falling too far back. So I don't I don't they're not they're not tanking. I don't think so either. Yeah, All right. You guys know the drill. You can follow us on Twitter at mgenteel 88 where you can find me. You can find Drew Stevens at Look What Drew Did. You can find the Rebuildable pod- Podcast. Podcast. My Italian almost came out there. A podcast. <laughs> at Rebuild underscore A underscore Bowl. Drop a lot of latest episodes there. We're also on all the, the major streaming services. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Stitcher, the whole, the whole shebang. Wherever you find your podcast, wherever you listen to them, you can find us. You subscribe. You'll get alerts when those episodes drop. So subscribe to those podcasts on those platforms. Drew and I would really like that. We'd really appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. Hit us up in the comments, man. We, we yeah. love Bulls, man. Come on. Come on, Bulls Nation. We should, do what, we should do what another podcaster does and just call out Bulls Nation for not being uh, good fans. Life. I'm kidding, by the way. Sorry. There you go. And if you have any questions, you know, about, about life, whether or not you should propose to your your girlfriend or mm. you know, are you, you going to get this job that you've been um, antsy about and you're going to be interviewing for the man to ask is Matt Gentile who just went two and two on this stretch of Bulls games where he correctly predicted each game aside from this Brooklyn Nets game. He is true. Clearly, clearly the Nostradamus of this podcast, if not the larger Bulls community community at large. So, I mean, Matt- Matstradamus? Matstradamus. Like, yeah, and look, I don't claim to be a prophet like some. Um, I'll, claim it, I'll claim it for you. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, like, let's see how this next stretch goes. We'll, I, I need then, some lottery numbers from you when we get off of here. All right, I'll do my best. Again, <laughs> along with Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile. Have yourself a great week. We'll be back next week to talk more about your Chicago Bulls. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.